What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. So I'll keep this short for you guys. This is uh, probably take two, three, four, five. I don't even know what take I'm in anymore. Uh, I'm trying to record this intro, so um, if yeah, I, th- I think I'm just going to reiterate what I said in the last one. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether it be iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get this, get leave us a rating and a review. I will reiterate that from our intro. Um, it helps the show to grow. It uh, gives us an average of whatever star rating. Um, it helps people find the show easier, like if they're new to it. Um, so that whatever algorithm won't show them something that's, you know, just starting or just kind of a scrub podcast out there. And it kind of gives us legitimacy, um, as to what the show is uh, and what it's all about. So if that's something you could do, uh, go on the app, go on the browser, wherever you're at and just leave us a rating and a review. Cause I enjoy reading those from time to time. So. Um, anyway, uh, like I said, I, I've taken this uh, intro uh, quite a few times now. My laptop has crashed approximately twice. Um, but I had the microphone off uh, for like a facepalm mistake. Um, there are a few times when I was trying to record the intro and I was like, why isn't this working? It's because the microphone was off, Dave. So I'm um, a little frustrated, but uh, flustered, I should say. But anyway, I've got a good one for you guys today. Uh, if you ever participate in Jeopardy! Whether it be on the couch or in the studio audience um, or anything like that. If you're like myself, you don't get quite everything right. You just like to participate. This is the episode for you. Uh, We talk about following your dreams with Adam. Uh, Also being able to talk about that with your uh, athletic directors and your coaches and saying like, hey, this is something that I really want to do. Um, I might have to step away for a few days because you might have to go to L.A. for a recording, the tape session. Or a tape date or whatever it's called. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, talk about his path to Brandeis. And it is pronounced Brandeis. So I learned that the hard way. After Supreme Court Justice. Apparently. So um, I just got a prompt for uh, some sort of screen recorder thing. So I'm going to leave that alone. But we will talk all about that. It's just a fascinating episode, I think, as to how to... Um, one take a loss uh, I think is is just have fun along the way with your experiences and not everything has to be a competition which is something that I, I quite frankly have to tell myself sometimes because I I like winning I want to win um, Adam came up short $18 uh, to I, I think at the time the guy had won some I forget what it was and somebody could probably tell me uh, the most money in the short amount of time short amount of games he said, I won something like $800,000 or $80,000 or something like that and at such a quick quick couple of games. Um, but Adam came up short, and we'll talk about accepting that and being able to just enjoy the moment and being able to live 
uh, where you're at. So again, really like this one, guys. I think you will too. So I won't uh, dilly dally long enough. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Episode 146 events ID cast with Adam Levin of the Brandeis Judges and a sport background going up right here on SID cast. And I am recording right now. Uh, let's see. I record in one raw take. So if you okay. want to like ever have to pause or, or do anything, uh, that's fine. I go back and edit it later in Adobe Audition. Okay. So how about you say that's some things true. right now, maybe your name and your position, and we can see your levels here if it's picking up. Yep. Uh, I am Adam Levin. I am the Sports Information Director at Brandeis University in Waltham, Massachusetts. All right. Sounds good. Well, Adam, let's uh, take you back to the very beginning. What was your sport background like growing up? Did you always want to work in sport? How did this all come about for you? Yeah. Growing up, uh, I grew up outside of Philadelphia, and I guess my dream was always to be the shortstop for the Phillies. Um, and at some point, even though Larry Bow, when I was growing up, wasn't the biggest guy, uh, at some point I stopped growing and realized that that probably wasn't, uh, wasn't going to be my future. Um, but I was still involved as the, the manager of the team, the high school team. And then I got to Brandeis as an undergraduate in 1990 and decided um, I was looking for a work-study job. And at the same time, I went to the, the athletic department and said, I'd like to be manager of the baseball team. And when they said, oh, great, we just had somebody graduate, and we're looking for somebody. And by the way, it's a it's a paying job. Like, it's a paying job. Someone's going to get paid to, to do that. That's that's great. And um, So I was like, then there's my work-study job. And I, I worked for my the previous SID, Jack Molloy, um, you know, I, I didn't have any idea how how scores got into the paper. I just knew they were there. You know, I knew there were reporters at at the professional games, but I didn't hadn't given much thought to how a Division three score was getting into the paper, how the agate came to be. Um, so I, I learned how to do that under Jack, um, and as a work study student, um, I came to Brandeis um, for the the educational background. I wanted to. It came for two reasons. One, because um, it had a, a good theater department. I, I always wanted to be uh, an actor also. That was sports and acting were my two things growing up. Yeah. Uh, so they had a great theater department. I decided, well, I wouldn't do that, but I don't think – I wasn't confident in myself um, as an actor, knowing how hard it is to make a living doing that. So I said, I should probably have a good education to go with that. So uh, I double majored in – theater and psychology but um i like to say by my senior year i was spending as much time working in the athletic department as i was um going to classes yeah so uh what were some things that you had to do back when you first started i mean uh you're managing the baseball team uh i mean how did you balance all all this stuff and was it kind of what's that balance like for you even when you were younger to to be like okay i want to be an actor but damn, do I love the Phillies. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I, I didn't, like I said, I, I, I came to college not knowing what I really wanted to do. Like, yeah. yes, that would be my dream. And, and if I, you know, if I was financially independent, I, I would have loved to, have, you know, maybe pursued that. But, uh, you know, I think when it came to being a, a student, 
I I just decided during certain times of year which I was going to prioritize. And so if there were times when I was I spent I, I didn't end up doing a whole too too many plays when I was a student, but I was a member of the sketch comedy troupe, uh, Boris's Kitchen, um, and you know that felt like the best way for me to. You know, I loved Saturday Night Live growing up, mm-hmm. and so it felt like an extension of, of that, of being part of that, and it felt like a good way to um, sort of balance my love of comedy and performing, and but without necessarily the the super deep commitment that I felt like, you know, to be part of the theater department here really meant committing yourself to the theater department and not really having much of a life outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I realized that. I could, you know, I had my work study job in athletics and could spend time there and, you know, at games. And, and certainly I worked more than just baseball games, basketball and, and soccer uh, as well. But, um, you know, besides that, when, when I wasn't doing that, that I would have time to, to spend performing with the, with the comedy troupe. And so usually it would work out to sort of one semester. I would, I would focus on trying to, to, to do stuff with the comedy troupe. And then another semester, I would uh, I would focus on on doing stuff with the baseball team. And you know, if there's one regret I have over that is that there was never a semester for me to find to to go abroad. A lot of Brandeis students like to do that. A lot of my friends did that, um, and I didn't take that opportunity because I either wanted to do something with the theater department or something with the baseball team. Um, so you know, it's a it's a relatively minor regret, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um... I guess my next question would be like, you had a lot of interests growing up. It seems it seems like you still have a lot of interests now, even when we were talking right. earlier. So I mean, um, how do you kind of keep with these interests? I mean, are you still working with comedy or still working with acting in any sort of way? You know, um, I I think at one point I, I did do a, I was able to do a play um, when I was up at Bates College. Um, it, you know, again, it helped having bosses and coaches mm-hmm. and, and other people who understood that this was something else that I wanted to do. Um, I, I would say that the acting piece of it has been replaced by my family. Um, so, really. yeah. <laughs> so my wife and son are, are, are pretty important too. So I, I would say that they've sort of filled that void in some way. Um, you know, and, and in terms of, of the comedy, it's, you know, when I have the occasional date night, I guess recently we were able to go out and see some some stand up or try to to go to a, a a a funny movie or something like that. Or you know, if I'm having trouble sleeping and need to put something on on Netflix to uh, to get me to sleep, I, I've I've watched the first half of quite a number of Netflix stand up specials. You know, not not that I want to say that they're putting me to sleep, but I put it on late at night. Your muse, and eventually yeah. sleep wins out. Yeah. So. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, just like anything else, like anybody else in this profession, it's, 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 it's finding that balance and, you know, it's, it's super important. I have, you know, especially since my family has, has come along and grown, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say I'm always successful. My wife would certainly say I'm not cause I'm, I'm looking at my phone and Twitter or whatever, but I do my best to when I'm home with my family, being home with my family, you know, if there's, 
if the teams are on the road and I know there's a game at night, but I'm still at home, then yes, they understand that I'm still sort of working. But um, at the same time, I think, um, you know, if it's not, if I've left the office, then I have left the office. I, I, it's rare that I am working on projects. Oh, I could have done that graphic better. or I could have, you know, I, you know, I got, I can get ahead on the game programs for next week. You know, I, 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 it can wait till the next day. Yeah, that's the way my line of thinking is too. And it took me a little bit to, to get that way, to be able to, to cut a time off and say no. Um, a lot of people even tell me now when, when they ask me what I want to do, where I want to go with this sort right. of thing, that I say I want something to where when I'm home, I'm home. Right. I don't answer a lot of people who text me on the phone, especially like, I mean, I'll, I'll answer stuff that's like, what time should I come in tomorrow from the interns or, or my boss is saying like, hey, where did you put this on the file? But I'm not answering something that says, I need you to do X, Y, and Z with these photos and I need you to load them in because it's waiting until the morning. And a lot of right. people don't like that. I think right. that there's a, a mentality that you can never turn it off. And it's like, just because you can't turn it off doesn't mean that I can't turn it off, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Definitely. I think, you know, I, 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 I think I have a little bit of leeway because I'm at a smaller school in um, – a market that just, you know, the college athletics in Boston has has really, in the last five or maybe even ten years, has just really dropped off the radar mm. with uh, with our our media outlets. I think, um, and so, you know, there aren't as many people aren't knocking down my door to get the interview or get you know yeah. get access to our coaches as, as much as I would love that and. And, 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 you know, maybe I should be, maybe on the one hand, I could be hustling a little harder to make that happen, but there's just, there's so much in the Boston area that, you know, short of a national championship and Boston area schools have won those, you know, in the, in the recent past. Um, it just, it's, it's hard to get on people's radar around here. Um, and so I don't have that pressure. I don't know if at Indiana where you're in a market where that's the thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I could see where, you know, where there would be, Hey, by the way, we need you to handle a, a press request tonight. I can see where that happened. I, I'm lucky that I think I'm in a position where that's not as, that's not going to happen nearly as, as frequently. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you something that you said while you were at Bates College. And again, I totally told you beforehand, we're going to talk about other stuff before we get to your career path. So, yeah, sure. Um, you said when you were at Bates, you always talk to the coaches and, and stuff like that, especially with your play, that you're like, hey, this is important to me. Uh, I need to do this. And they were understanding of that. And, yeah. and um, so how would you go about some SIDs? Because I, I say this all the time on the show, on my intros and stuff, that it's important to have interests outside of sport, especially mm-hmm. outside of your work. Um, right. How did you have those conversations, and uh, I guess how did you break that barrier for some people who might want to run a marathon or might want to perform in a play or something yeah. like that? I mean, you know, a lot of it's – I feel like we talk to our student-athletes, and a lot of times what they tell you, one of the most important things they learn is the time management. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it back then was the time management. And again, I, I had 
more free time at the time so that I was able to, to work it all in. Um, you know, again, so when I went to Bates, um, you know, this it's, I guess I would say I took a path that wasn't, I think how, I think how I got up there helps inform it a little bit. Um, you know, a path that you really can't take today. I don't think, you know, I graduated from Brandeis in 1994. I had an internship in the Red Sox PR office, um, in 1994 that was um, interrupted by the strike. Um, in some ways that helped because it was a six-month internship and I only lasted for three, but they brought me back afterwards. And then they cut me on a little bit beyond the six months. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, it sort of also pushed me further out the door of wanting to stay in the pro game. I was like, I don't want the, uh, the millionaires versus the billionaires ruining my little dinky, you know, however much I was getting paid a week at that time job. So, um, I happened to, I was encouraged to apply for the Bates job and, um, it was reported to the media relations office as opposed to the athletic department. And, the the media relations director there was also from Philadelphia. So I like to joke that because, um, we could talk about the Phillies and the Eagles, um, she took a chance on somebody who didn't have any experience with football or lacrosse yeah. and, uh, and get, and gave me the job. So Patty Lawson, uh, who hired me up at Bates, um, she was really understanding. And when I said, Hey, there's, you know, they're looking for, um, people beyond just the theater department to work in this play. Uh, was, the play was our town. I was like, I would love to give it a shot if you think that we can work it out. And, and then when I told the director, you know, who I was and, you know, why I'm trying out and saying, hey, occasionally I might not be able to make rehearsals because we've got a basketball game, you know, we worked it out, Um, you know, so if there were times where I had to leave, uh, uh, you know, early for rehearsal or or not, you know, I I can't imagine I missed a game. I don't don't remember for sure. I can't imagine I missed a game, but if, um, you know, writing something and posting something to a website didn't happen until a little bit later for a road game because I was otherwise in the middle of something, then it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, in turn, I, I'd be lying if I said I could remember now how I, how I approached it with the coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, I think it's, I think part of it is, is, is building that trust at the time I had been there for long enough that when I said, Hey, this is something that I'm doing. You know, they had the trust in me that what needed to get done would get done, um, and so it did. Um, you know, I would like to think that if something similar came up here at Brandeis, and the fact of the matter is, it has a number of times um, where I did have to miss, um, you know, quote unquote important things. Um, you know, that that. The trust is there that the job will get done, even if it's not by me. That I know the right people to call. I can, I can call my colleagues at Babson or Bentley or wherever else, and say, "Hey, I'm out of town," or, or you know, hopefully, you know, I've trained my students well enough to say, um, "Hey, I'm out of town for my for my Jeopardy audition. I'm out of town for my Jeopardy audition. I need you to cover the soccer game tonight. Can you handle it?" and you know, 
He said, and they did. I don't remember whether it was my, a student or, or a colleague of mine, but uh, the fact of the matter is everything went off, and, uh, you know, and it was great. Yeah, awesome. Well, you kind of detailed for us a little bit um, how you got to Bates. But what about uh, coming on back to uh, You might have to. Sorry, I took the headphones out. They were driving me crazy, okay. and if we weren't actually using them, is that a problem? Uh, I hear myself uh, twice. Okay, I'll put them back in. Okay. That's fine. Sorry. No, you're good. How's that? That's much better. Thank you. Okay. And if yeah. it gets too bothersome. Can you go back and start that last question again? Then? Okay, that's fine. Um, so you talked about how you got to Bates a little bit, but how did you come on back to Brandeis? Uh, I mean, this was your alma mater. Uh, uh, how does it feel to be back there? Yeah, I mean, I was, I always hoped at some point I would come back, and I had been at Bates for seven or eight years, um, probably seven years, and I was definitely starting to think it was time to move on, but, um, you know, it was a pretty good situation. No, I shouldn't say it was a pretty good situation. I, I very much liked the college and the campus and all the people that I worked with, um, but as uh, honestly, as a single person in my twenties, Lewiston, Maine, was not the ideal situation. Be, yeah, yeah. And so when, um, I, but I, at the same time, it was the work situation was enough that I, I, you know, spent seven years there and was not, you know, before it, I was ready to look to move on. Um, I, I didn't just want to move on for the sake of moving on. Obviously, you know, I, I love my undergraduate experience. And when Jack, who had preceded me, told me that he was moving on, I was like, well, I, I got to apply and, you know, and, and hopefully the, enough people remembered me and, and thought fondly of me. And, and I did well enough on the interview that, uh, you know, that they that they welcomed me back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was I was definitely happy to to get back to the Boston area and you know, be closer to my, my college friends who are still here. Um, you know, so yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely the kind of, uh, the kind of move that I was, I was ready to make. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, how, and you can, everybody here can imagine how tough it is to break into the Boston media market just to get some attention for a D3, D2 and AI school. Um, so how do you go about doing that? I mean, obviously you can't compete with the Bruins or the Red Sox or the Patriots. So what's kind of your strategy to kind of break through all that noise in such a a large market? Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, to get the real close attention of the, the major media to, to do that, it's, you have to have a national championship caliber team. Um, you know, but that being said, certainly the Boston globe, uh, has their regional editions and they're regularly covering smaller colleges and featuring co- smaller college athletes and teams. Uh, the Herald, uh, Jock O'Connolly there, um, you know, he does a fantastic job of covering, um, college athletics and small college athletics. Um, so those opportunities are there. Um, you know, I think you have to be able to identify when you've got a really special, um, student athlete or team, um, because again, you know, you've had, um, 
I, I, I can't count, but it, it feels like at least one or two Boston area teams have won a national champion, the toughest men's soccer for the last six years. Um, UMass Boston two years ago, you know, had a literally a one woman indoor track and field championship team. Um, you know, she's now running at the university of South Carolina and doing stuff there, which mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that she spent a year at UMass Boston was, is amazing. Um, you know, so we've got Babson men's basketball a few years ago. So when those teams have made noise, um, I think the, the larger media markets pick it up. But I think otherwise, you know, it just it takes identifying a really special uh, student athlete and saying, okay, let's let's figure out how to get this person in front of uh, in front of people's eyes. Awesome. Um, hang on, I lost my question there for a second. Oh, I don't remember it. Uh, so, other than the obvious, throughout your whole tenure, I mean, you spent uh, a little while at Bates, and now you've been at Brandeis for, for quite a while now. I mean, yeah. Uh, what have other, like I said, other than the obvious, what uh, what are some changes or maybe some difficulties that you've experienced over the past uh, couple of years? Yeah, I mean, it's. The reason, the reason I've stayed here is similar to up at Bates is the people have really been, have been great for the most part. And it's just, it's a group of people that, that I really enjoy being around. Um, you know, and I have to admit that part of the attraction of being at Brandeis is, um, I don't have football. I don't have hockey. I don't have lacrosse. So I'm a division three guy at heart and, um, I'm just, there's no, there's not going to be a better division three situation than that. Um, so that's a reason that, that I've stuck around for so long, you know, in terms of stuff changing, you know, obviously I, I came up with handwritten box scores and, and fax machines and, and calling the globe to make sure they got the score. And, you know, to the point, you know, where now we're at the point where the globe doesn't even run agate scores for the local small college teams and i admit i'm probably may even be part of the problem i haven't i didn't renew my subscription the last time it lapsed um you know but i didn't renew it because it was clear that their coverage was was going downhill um you know so i i just to me you know going from where you had to call to make sure that they got you know a full box score when i started um, to faxing to make sure that they received it to having to, um, you know, to the point where not even a line score in, in the agate, not even the, you know, Brandeis 75 NYU 61 uh, on a Saturday or Sunday. It just that that's been frustrating to see, you know, but I think that just puts the onus on me to make sure that that our social media and our website is that news outlet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, People can still find it. You know, the scores are out there. Is it in the Globe? Is it in the New York Times? You know, it's not anymore. But in the 21st century, especially where, you know, one of our constituencies is our kids who probably never touched a newspaper in their life, you know, we're trying to, to attract them, then it's important to to find those kids where they're at um you know so the the move from online to digital as i was having a a meeting with 
my boss today and, you know, talking about how, you know, just because I had uh, this past Saturday, I had a little bit of a, was at a track meet. I do the announcing for the track meet. That's where I still use some of my theater skills. Um, yeah. Um, and meanwhile, basketball is playing in New York and, um, and swimming had a, a meet going on. So by the time I was done with the track meet, the basketball games were both over and the swim meet was over. And so I chose to write the men's basketball recap before the women's because the men won and the women lost. And I wanted to get the winning story up there first. And, you know, you know, some people sort of said, Oh, how come you did the men first instead of the women, even though our game was first. And I, I certainly take that, that criticism and understand it. Um, but what he follows, they lost, you don't need to write as much. I, I'm used to writing the game story of what happened, not writing less because it wasn't as good for our team. Um, so I, you know, sort of tailoring my writing more towards that digital, the digital reader. I need to get a little bit better at doing that. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, whereas I grew, grew up quote unquote, um, you know, writing towards the newspaper mm-hmm. that's not that's not the way the best way to think anymore no. um so sort of adapting my thinking towards the digital and the the audience as opposed to uh you know the news outlet speaking of uh, thinking and audience and things like that you alluded to this earlier in something that i think everybody who, who might be looking at this episode title and being like why do i recognize that name or maybe they already do know your <laughs> name um jeopardy uh, yes. first of all, how long, I mean, cause we talked a little bit off there. I like just participating. I don't get squat right, but you <laughs> are a big Jeopardy guy. I mean, uh, how did you get even an, or like, what was it? An audition? Yeah. So, I mean, I always loved facts and fact booked and almanacs and the Guinness book of world records and stuff like that growing up. Um, I came, I came of age when trivial pursuit was the hot fad board game. Um, and then Jeopardy is, I don't know, it's just sort of been there all my life and something I always wanted to do. Uh, in 2002, I didn't know how, but I never knew how. I, I just figured you had to go to to L.A. to audition in yeah. L.A. I was like, I, I don't have any, I'm, I don't travel to L.A. ever, so I'll probably never happen. Um, and then in 2002, I think, I, I don't remember what year, probably 12, 13 years ago at this point from now. So I guess that means more like uh, 2007. Um, whatever year it is, it doesn't matter. Um, they did their first online test Mm. and I took that and did well enough to get an audition from that. And that was held in Boston. And, you know, they told you at that time, um, they keep your name in the, in the pot for 18 months. And I didn't get called at that time. And so I took the online test two years later and actually got another email for another audition in Boston. And again, you know, had felt a little bit more confident about the whole process because I'd done it two years earlier, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, again, still didn't get the call. And then, um, I, I took the test on and off between now and then, but, um, I wasn't watching quite as regularly, regularly because I had my family. And so, you know, it couldn't always stop at seven 30 to turn on, turn on the TV and, and go see what's on jeopardy. So, um, took a little bit of a break, but then, um, last, probably not last, but two, 
uh, no, last April, I think I took the online test again. Uh, my wife said, uh, it must have been, I guess it must have been the April before that. Because um, we're coming up on my, um, on my tape date. Um, so the April before that, my wife said, oh, you should try it again. And all right. And I did it. And I got another email. And this time I flew down to Philadelphia for the audition, figuring, hoping the last two times it was in Boston, it had been over the summer. Mm-hmm. So I figured I could just spend a week with my with my parents um, and just, you know, my wife and son could, could hang out with them. And then I would just go and do the audition. Um, but it turned out to be in the fall. So like I said, um, uh, yeah, two falls ago. So I, I, I said, hey, I have to miss this, um, have to miss this soccer game because I'm flying to Philadelphia for a Jeopardy audition. You know, I think everybody knew how, how big that was for me. Um, and got everybody to cover it. And, uh, you know, again, and again, I felt even more confident than I had 10 years before. I think just, I mean, I was had 10, just 10 years older and 10 years more confident just in general in myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and knew what I was doing, um, having done it twice before and just went and, you know, really tried at the audition to be myself and be in the moment. You know, those are two. I don't know why it took until 12 years after my first audition to keep those things in mind Mm -hmm. after, you know, those are sort of big um, acting principles, I guess. But um, I don't know. It really worked for me, I guess, at that audition. And so that was in September of 2018. And then January of 2019, as I was driving home, um, basketball was on the road on a Friday night. So a call from the 3-1 area code popped up on my uh, on my car's Bluetooth. I said, 3-1-0, I think that's L.A. I better answer it. And uh, on, luckily, I didn't drive off the side of the road when, they, when she told me she was calling from Jeopardy. Perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Now it was time to perform. Uh, did right. you study? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I, my my theory was I read I definitely read more books than I had read <laughs> in, in in the few in the months before that. Um, I read books sort of about the game. Mm-hmm. I read uh, Ken Jennings had written a book sort of that combined his journey on it with the sort of a history of trivia. And then another gentleman named Bob Harris wrote a book. Um, called Prisoner of Trebekistan, he called it. Um, he's a guy who had sort of gotten a lucky break to come back a second time and sort of parlay that into being in several tournaments and, and appearing several times. And really, um, and he sort of laid out some really good lessons in terms of, you know, knowing when not to buzz in and knowing, you know, being yourself and being comfortable and, and knowing what you don't know and, and stuff like that, just sort of lessons to, um, you know, for yourself. Um, as far as trying to learn trivia, I figured in the span of a month, I don't know that I'm going to learn anything new. Um, I suppose I could have memorized Kings of England or yeah. I did my best. I, you know, did I, I might've had Sporkle open on my, on my web browser a little bit too often while I was at work in the, in the ensuing months, um, in the ensuing weeks. Um, I, re- I had, um, the New York Library, yeah, New York Public Library desk reference is a book about fifteen hundred pages thick of just lists on lists and lists of different facts, um, 
And so I certainly didn't read that from cover to cover, but I would open it up to a random page and say, okay, what's here that I don't need to know or, or not don't even know? What's here that I already know? What can I bring back up to the surface? Yeah. Um, so that was sort of my studying strategy. Awesome. So when you were on stage, I mean, I'm, I'm sure – what was the emotion going through you when even when you saw the categories pop up on on, on the screen? Were, were there any you were like, oh, crap, or were there any that you were like, yeah. yes, <laughs> finally, that one? So, I mean, the, the emotions of getting on stage, and I think everybody who was there um, during my, my taping would tell you, um, was just awe and happiness. Like, here it is, watching on TV for you know, for 35 years. Um, and now here I am actually walking onto the set and seeing those, that bank of screens up close and personal. Um, it was just like, I can't believe I'm here. This is like, this is a dream come true, literally. Um, and so I was super happy, you know, um, it was a real interesting dynamic. You know, the, the most interesting dynamics are a pregame. They, they give you a, a, a a pretty extensive um, warm-up period and also a lot of time where they go over rules and regulations and and any weird situation that you could ever think of that comes up and you know sort of the one unex- the most unexpected moment I would say in all of that was when they introduced the returning champion and um, Maggie the producer who is universally beloved by anybody who's ever played been on the show um, says, and you know, the only person who knows exactly which game they're going to be in today and at what podium is our returning champion. And that returning champion is James. And people have been calling him champ for the, for the beginning part. So we knew that he was. So she said, James, how many games have you won? And he said 12. And 12 isn't an unheard of number, but it's still a pretty long winning streak. So yeah. we're like, oh, okay, so this guy's pretty good. He's won 12 straight games at that point. And they said, James, how much money have you won? And he said $850,000. Jaws dropped because that is a number in the span of 12 games that nobody had ever heard of anything like that before. So that was sort of when we knew that something interesting was going to happen no matter what. Um, you know, So I, I had a chance to watch him play five games in a row. They taped um, five games a day over the course of two days on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Hmm. Um and there's always more people than they actually need so that they can always pick a random number. So there's no there's no collusion. You don't know who it's going to be. Um, I happen to be one of the people whose name is left over at the end of my first taping day. So I got to watch him play five games and saw how differently he played the game than anybody else. I was able to come back the next day and have a little bit more of a strategy and be a little bit more, a little bit more prepared. And it was like, okay, I said to myself, this guy's good, no doubt about it. He's really good, but I've never done this. There's no reason I couldn't be just as good as he is. There's no reason I couldn't be just as quick on the buzzer. Yeah. There's no reason, you know. You know, I, he he had a first time doing it too, you know. like Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so who, who says that I can't answer just as many questions as he did? Um, when it came to the categories um, – the first round that I had, the categories were, were fun in that they were all um, one letter off from uh, a standard uh, – one or two letters off from a standard um, 
Jeopardy category. So potent potables is is the category that everybody knows. In my round was potent portables, and it was all about portable devices. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one category that was um, uh, instead of lakes and rivers, it was breaks and livers. Um, oh. So lots of wordplay in the categories. Um, you know, sort of the other part of that is when the second round came up. I think this is sort of a kind of what you're asking too. Again, there weren't anything that I said, oh, wow, that's awesome. There wasn't like colleges and universities or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sports teams. Um, you know, if it had been sports, unfortunately, I was there against James. So I didn't necessarily have yeah. any advantage on that front. Um, but the last category was um, <clears throat> was the Spanish Civil War. If you told me I was going to get two out of the five questions right on the Spanish Civil War, I'd have told you you were crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's the I think that's the beauty of Jeopardy is that there's always a way in to any clue that they've written. So you might not know it, but it's there for for people for someone to figure out. I think um, you know not always. Sometimes it's as simple as you know here's X, tell me why. You know, we had a category in state parks where it was, what's the state park? You had to name the state. Um, you know, again, not something I necessarily knew anything about, but I figured I might know enough about. The same with the – so with the the Spanish Civil War, I didn't know much about it, but I knew enough about those two questions to find a way in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean I, I would say in sort of generally summing up the emotion, um, I had a smile on my face the whole time. Good. Well, my next question is going to be uh, kind of about the end. Um, mm-hmm. He came a little bit short, I think. Right. Was that the closest? $18. Yeah. That was the closest he came before he lost. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, what was running through your mind with that? You said you had a smiling face. I can't imagine being sad about anything else. I mean, you got to be in LA for two days. You got to do your yeah. dream. Like, what more? I mean, most people never even get there. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, they, they went through the numbers that, that year. 80,000 people took the online test. 3,600 people um, got, got called for auditions. And 400 made it on the air that year. So you're already in the top 1% just making it on on air. Um, you know, I, I two conflicting thoughts, I would say, at the end went through my head. Um The one was I was still, I was so happy with how it went. Like it was 90% of the dream, right? The dream was obviously that I was going to be the one who won 23 games in a row or 32 games in a row and won $2 million. But I went out there and played the game as well as I possibly could have. You know, when the time came to put down a daily double, I almost doubled my money. Um, when the time came to get the final Jeopardy answer, uh, I, again, bet almost all of my money and, and got it right and won. Um, you know, and I, I compare it to my, the teams that I work with, you know, I've had a couple of, I've had teams go to the elite eight or the final four, but they didn't win. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they weren't great teams, you know, and they had nothing to feel bad about at the end of the year. Only one team wins it all, you know? The only one team is is LSU every year, um, and so unfortunately, I had the misfortune. So was I disappointed that the dream was over at this point? Of course I was. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, you know, 
there's a part of me that says, if only it hadn't been against James, I would have done it. <laughs> but, I mean, I can't, you can't live your life you like that. You can't choose who you go against either. Exactly, and he's yeah. got to play somebody, right? You know, he can't, he had to play somebody, and I had the misfortune of it being during that one, that one month. You know, there's no reason I could have been a month later and I would have been up against another guy who, who ended up, you know, winning 18 or 19 games in a row or however many it was. Um, you know, everybody needs to play somebody else. There needs to be three players in each game. Um, so I was, like I said, I, I was just, I just, it gave me a greater feeling of empathy with my student athletes for when they're out there and they give it all, you know, they don't go out there and, 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 and give it half an effort. They go out there every time and give it their all. And as long as that's what they do, you know, sometimes you just have to tip your cap to the other team and say, look, you guys were, were better on this night. And, you know, unfortunately I don't have a, we'll get you next time the way our basketball team might. Yeah. But, um, you know, but that's all you can do and say, you know, as long as you, gave it everything you got and that's 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 truly how i feel i went out and 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 played the best game i possibly could and you know it didn't work out i've seen the picture of him kind of slumped over yeah. after he figured out he won i was like yeah i just read a book and i and the episode that came in coming out uh last week uh with sam um i talked about a book that i just read it called uh can't hurt me by david goggins mm-hmm. one of the toughest guys on this planet i truly believe that in a, in a chapter he calls taking souls and that's okay. uh being so good at something never going down and out that some that people look at you like like apollo creed looked at rocky yeah like how are you still standing and you took that guy's soul i mean I, I, yeah, I certainly like to think and you know and the fact of the matter is I, I, there are people where he did it to them the other person I, you know i hate to say this uh, you know that that was the carryover that mm-hmm. that was left over from Tuesday into Wednesday. She said that she watched James play five games, and she knew that was it. She was like, "Obviously, I'm going to go out there and have fun." And she did still have fun, but she just knew she wasn't going to win. She said, and so then you're not going to win. Exactly. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, and in fact, I feel like so that when they went through the same spiel on um, Wednesday morning that they did on Tuesday morning, and the producer Maggie said, "Is anybody intimidated?" by James, by his, at that point he had gone over a million dollars and had won 18 in a row or 17 in a row. And she said, is anybody here intimidated? I was the only person who said no. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I had, I had seen him play five times, so I had reason to not be as intimidated as everybody else might be. But I think you have to go, you can't have that. If you're going in intimidated, that's how you're going to play. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people did and, Thankfully, I didn't. Last question before we got to move on here. I mean, why do you sure. think that they did that? Did what? Ask the question, are you intimidated? I think she was just being... Um, Conversational? She was just being playful. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was... It was like, you should be afraid, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, she knew what she had on her hands. She knew that she had the next great champion, The you know. And so I think I think it was mostly just being playful, just saying, hey, you know, this guy's pretty good. You're going to have to play your best to beat him. Yeah. You know, eventually somebody did. He, you know, he wasn't going to win forever. And, uh, you know, eventually somebody did beat him. So 
Yeah, well, congratulations on getting to that point. I mean, I'm sure you got plenty of other things you got in mind. I mean, the dreams don't have to stop after one time. I mean, you, what what's next for you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly my wife jokes that uh, we need to start a bring Adam back hashtag on, on social media. So, um, I don't know, this will this will probably air after the, the show, um, after the, the Tournament of Champions uh, finishes up or the, the greatest of all time tournament finishes up. But, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe now that I think I'm coming up on a year after my taping, so I'm probably eligible to go on other game shows or anything like that. So who knows, maybe when uh, the next time something comes up or, or you know, the, look at, you look at the ratings that, uh, that these guys are getting for the, for the GOAT tournament, who knows, maybe they'll start having, um, they'll start having more Jeopardy tournaments in prime time or, or bring back more game shows that are actual knowledge. And uh, maybe I'll get another chance. Oh, I think I've been, You've been standing still long. for too long. Hold on one sec. No, you're good. That's funny. I almost did a double... I'm That's sure you'll funny, edit that yeah. out. <laughs> I know. I almost did a double take to look outside. I was like, what just happened? I was like, <laughs> are we dying? Anyway. Um, well, I would like to, I would like to transition this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. So kind of sure. a, a little quick answer type of things. I mean, um, in your professional tenure, what's your uh, favorite memory? Sure. Um, I mean, there are definitely a bunch of been doing it long enough. Um, you know, I think probably my favorite one is, and, and again, this is part of where Brandeis has been good to me and, and I've earned some of that uh, earned some of the goodwill um, to, in 2016 I should probably starts in 2015 when I found out the date of my niece's bat mitzvah in Washington D.C. and it was going to be um, or was it her bat mitzvah or whether it was her bat mitzvah or, or my my nephew's bar mitzvah either way we knew what date it was a year ahead of time and it was late fall um, so it was late fall, right? Uh-huh. And so we knew that watching our soccer teams play, they were very good that year. And our men were top five, top ten. I was sort of hoping that either the team in New England that was ahead of them stayed ahead of them. And just sort of looking far ahead enough to say, I just we can't host a sectional. We can't host a sectional because if that happens, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and our, um, so our women went on the road and upset a top, a top five team. And we said, okay, well, that's okay. But they're in the same region as the number one team in the country. So I shouldn't have to worry about them. And the men stayed ahead of, so both teams reached, I should say. So they both men hosted, uh, a first, the first two rounds, uh, and they won pretty handily, which they had done throughout the, the previous few years um so they made it to the sweet 16 and then the women did so on the road um the men i saw okay again they have there was a team in new england ranked ahead of them so it looks like they'll be going on the road and the women again were of the teams that were left in their region were um were the lowest ranked um but it turns out that the the two of the four teams that were ahead of them were just were geographic outliers so they weren't going to be hosting or one was a geographic outlier another was amherst so our men they were hosting the men's sectional so they knew that the men weren't going to be 
were, but the, no, the top ranked team was William Smith out in New York. Um, I said, all right, well, they're undefeated. They've only allowed two goals all season. They'll be hosting. Someone pointed out to me that they happened to be hosting the field hockey final four that weekend. And so suddenly us as the lowest seeded team were hosting this regional the weekend that um, I had my niece's bat mitzvah. Uh-huh. I explained this to my boss. I said, look, I told you a year ago that this weekend I needed to be out of town. She said, as long as you get somebody to cover it and figure it out. And we were able to do that um, and get people to cover it. So the we still haven't quite reached the part, the, the favorite part. Um, the I wasn't able to watch much of the, um, the Sweet 16 games because that was on the Saturday of the, the service. So I sort of came back and you know, after the service was over, checked my phone, checked my live my live stats, and saw that both teams won and advanced to the Elite Eight. So it was Sunday, you know, before we were ready to, to come home, um, and so there were two events on the Sunday, one in the morning and one in the evening, and um, but between there there was some free time, and that happened to be the time of the games. So I said, "Honey, take take Drew, take our son, and." go do whatever you need to do, you know, wherever you go. I don't care where you're going, but I'm staying in the hotel room and watching, following these soccer games. That's it's what I have to do. It's, it's part of the deal I made with being able to not actually be at them. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in the soccer game in my, um, in my hotel room and watched the men's team win four to two on the road to advance to the final four and the women's team. So down two nothing, with like 20 minutes to go in regulation against a team that had allowed, at this point they'd allow four goals all season because they'd allowed two in the, the previous round. So they scored, they allow a goal to go down to nothing, but score one to get less than a minute later to get back within 2-1. Like, yeah. okay, wow. With, um, um, with like five minutes to go, they score again to tie it up. And again, less than a minute later, they go ahead three to two. Again, the team has only allowed four goals. Uh, I'm sorry. They go ahead two to one. So they, they go ahead two to one with with two seconds, with, with, with less a couple minutes to go. With 3.7 seconds, the other team um, ties it up at three. I feel like I'm butchering the scoring. <laughs> I think I think you it went up three two and then they tied. We it up. went up three two, yeah. right? Yes, right. They were down two nothing. One just one to get back right after. Ten minutes to go to to tie it. Sixty seconds later to go ahead, and then with three point seven seconds, the other team scores to send it to overtime. Um, our kids on their very first shot of overtime. So at this point, the men's game is well over. So I'm just watching the one game. Um, they score on a off of a free kick to win four to three, and so both of our I had never been to a final four at that point twenty some years into my career, and to have both teams qualify on the same day when I wasn't even in the same state. Um, but it, being able to watch it online was just it it made me so thrilled for them and so happy for for the team the teams. It was it was just an unbelievably exciting day. Oh yeah, I would say so. We had I had one last year of final four where we were like and i was in division two last year so 
uh, basketball, men's basketball, we were like the sixth seed, I think, something like that. Right. Um, beat the three seed, or no, we were like the five seed or something. We beat the four seed, Ashland, I think, um, in the first round. Then we go and has to face the one seed. Right. Take them down in the uh, final seconds. And right. then we take go to the host game or the host of the host of that little right. Midwest bracket. And we win with 1.1 seconds left or something like that as time expired. And we went to the Elite Eight, which was being held in Evansville, Indiana. Which oh, is where, wow. Yeah, which is where USI was. That's where okay. I worked. And then right. it's eight, like less than four miles from campus is the arena. So we packed wow. this place in blue and red, navy and red, like the whole thing. And we went, we were the seventh seed and we beat the overall number two seed to go to the final four. And it was the craziest. It was, I've worked, I've been here at Indiana for since July and I've still okay. haven't had a, other than the Florida state game where we upset Florida state. That yeah. was <laughs> the other atmosphere that I think has never been able to match that. It was, it was just amazing. But, um, so uh, we talked a little bit earlier about how you wanted to ch- do up your recaps or maybe kind of like modernize your recaps a little bit. But what's another thing yeah. you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Yeah, I probably I probably need to um, get on the get on the the genius sports train. Um, I actually I, I had a good experience with it during volleyball season. Um, so I think I have I have a basketball. Um, inputter who's a senior this year so i didn't feel like changing it up on him after having been through we we actually switched to the presto system a a few years ago Mm. so and i feel like that's still fairly viable but at the same time i feel like um you know not that i again not that i'm necessarily looking to move on but um just in terms of training other people you know if if i have kids who want to be sids down the road um you know having that is going to be a, a pretty a pretty good skill to have so i feel like in that respect i, I probably need to think about getting on that train um but I, I i've always i've been happy with presto i think it works you know for anybody who's leery of stat crew but wants to sort of hang on to that the same um the same workflow i, I do feel like it's a, it's a pretty viable alternative but uh but I certainly think that probably that genius is where is certainly where the profession is going. Yeah. Um, next time somebody's in the uh, Brandeis area, I guess that's the Boston area, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Um. We uh we have uh, most of our in Waltham. Waltham actually has a couple of great um a couple of really good restaurants in it. Moody Street and uh, and Main Street. Um. I'm a little bit past my my bar crawling days. Uh-huh. Um, we have we had our um, our holiday party at Joe sent me on Main Street, and, and then afterwards they had a trivia contest. So because they because they were able to uh, to scratch my trivia itch, I'll say that that's definitely a place. And then uh, I know our communications staff. There's a lot of good breweries around here. Mm. Um, Mighty Squirrel is one that's in Waltham that I, I, a lot of our communications campus communication staff goes to uh they do some trivia there and um i'm partial out by where i live in framingham i live in ashland massachusetts but in framingham um uh, jack's abbey brewery is close by to me and i i I love their products too if anybody had any questions with you want to get in touch with you what would be the best way to do it um you know they can certainly shoot me an email um uh, at aslevin at 
B-R-N-D-E-I-S.edu on Twitter, uh, Adam Levin, 94, from my graduation year. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you very much for coming on. We all really do appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, David.